0: Uh, at the end of 2019, end of the
1: decade. End of the decade. This is, yeah, this is quite the way we're, we're one, of the, one of the ways we're talking about closing the decade. <laughs> um,
0: well, <laughs> welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. And um, for our next batch of movies, I mean, because we just closed out our first 20. And so we're now, this is movie 21, our new batch of 10. And, um, we're starting it off on, I, 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 described it as a palate cleanser, but you're afraid you wrong. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're afraid I may have went too deep into the, the
1: deep end of serious with this movie. <laughs> Holy, like, I understand we, you know, we go deep into the cellar of our fields during the holidays, but you're really gonna, you're really gonna <laughs> drop that floor out from under me, uh. Tenderin' style, it's gonna get ropey in my feels for this one, I think.
0: Yeah, this is definitely the summer of the soul in December, and what better way to celebrate that than with the 1969 Academy Award-winning, Golden Globe-winning, forgotten Jane Fonda movie? They shoot horses, don't they? Um, yeah, I picked this one because um, it is definitely a forgotten movie, and I'm surprised that with Jane Fonda's. Uh, Filmography that this one gets forgotten so much, especially since she got an Oscar nomination for it. Right? Um, They shoot horses, don't they? Before I go into describing what it is about and what it entails and everything, you just watched the trailer.
1: What? what That's all. Yeah, that's all I've done. That's all I ever do for the first uh, the first episode. The first half of the episodes is watch the trailer.
0: What was your impression on what you saw in that trailer,
1: man? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It was, uh, I've seen, I've seen, you know, news footage from the Vietnam War that made me feel better than what I, than what I just watched. And I don't even know what I just watched yet. Um, you know they do. A, I'll tell you this: they do a decent job. The, the difference between the '70s and '80s when they're putting together a trailer and now is they do a decent job of at least letting you know kind of what the movie's about mm-hmm. and tonally, without giving much away, um, unless it's Back to the Future. Uh, but this, yeah, I know that it's going to hurt my insides.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good way of describing it. Uh, this film. It's based on a book from 1935. Uh, here, here is the cast. We've got Jane Fonda, uh, Michael Sarazin, Susan, Susanna York, uh, Gig Young. Uh, this is his Academy Award and Golden Globe winning performance. Um, you, you're going to despise him in this movie. Let's just say is that. Is Gig the host? He's the host, yes. Okay. Yeah, he's the host. Um, stars Red Buttons, Bonnie Bedelia, Michael Conrad, Bruce Dern, Uh, Al Lewis of Munster's fame. And (laughs) yeah, uh, (laughs) this film is about an actual thing that existed during the Great Depression, which were dance marathons. Uh, Dance marathons were an act of desperation. They were the precursor of reality shows. Um, and, And basically, these endurance contests would pit a bunch of people couples against each other to see how long they could dance before collapsing and the person left standing won a jackpot. Um, They could sometimes go from like a few hours to a couple of days in some cases a month or two. It was cruel and inhumane punishment towards these people who were desperate for money and if that wasn't cruel enough they actually charged people admission to come in and watch these people basically slowly kill themselves for some money to help make ends meet during the Great Depression. I mean, the people who ran these dance marathons really, really took advantage of exploiting desperate people. And they shoot horses, don't they, in, the, in uh, the 1930s. The book decided to take on this during the Great Depression, actually,
1: was it? Because uh, I haven't done any study. I don't know if you've done any study on the book, but was it a it, through experience that the book was written? Do you feel like this is something that he had seen and, and wrote the book based on his experiences? You know, or does the movie? I guess a, a different question is: Does the movie take place in the Great Depression? The movie does
0: take place during the Great Depression, um, and it is um, um, in the height of the Great Depression, actually. Um, and I feel like I'm going to be at the height of the Great Depression <laughs> <laughs> watching this thing. Um, now, it's it's not really known whether or not the uh, the author of the book, whose name is Horace McCoy, if he actually participated in these dance contests or went to go see him or not. I mean, these were very well-known, and there's some really infamous uh, dance marathons. I mean, people who do dance marathons now, they're done for charity reason and for fun. They're not these cruel and inhumane products that were done during the 1920s and the 30s, uh, right. especially during the 1930s, during the Great Depression. So it, it seems like with the source material that he came with, I think he probably saw some pretty gruesome sights during these days. Uh, these uh, dance marathons, and as, as you will see in the movie, it goes into some really dark places. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really does. Uh, the film was made in 1969. It was uh, done by a... Um, I don't know. I don't know if you would know the the name of the director or not. It's a little director by the name of Sidney Pollack. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> right.
1: I okay, so I feel like I need to ask this question. Uh-huh. Why what qualifies this for you? And I'm not disagreeing, right? Mm-hmm. But what qualifies this for you as a as a cult movie that we need
0: to cover? Because it's been completely forgotten. Um I mean okay. it's one of those films where people who know about it are like, oh, yeah, I know about this movie. But a lot of people don't know it, which is a shame because, I mean, when you think of... Well, when you think of Jane Fonda, you think of movies like Barbarella or Clute yeah. or On Golden Pawn or 9 to 5. You know, you think of movies like that. When you think of director you know, Sidney Pollock, you think of maybe Jeremiah Johnson or, or The Way We Were or Tootsie or Out of Africa. A you know they've both had illustrious careers and here's this movie they shoot they shoot horses don't they which was a movie that went on to earn six academy Awards but not best picture for some reason but it, <laughs> yeah uh, but it was nominated for six academy Awards and it won an academy Award but then like 10 15 years later it became... I mean, it, really, it just, it dropped, just out. dropped out it did like much like um picnic at hanging rock it just suddenly dropped out of nowhere okay and so um uh, you know i decided you know okay hey, let's do this one i mean we did that's one of the reasons why we did picnic at hanging rock sure i mean um this man i mean he i mean sydney pollack if you're not familiar with his movies definitely go check his filmography out he's made some incredible stuff um, you know he's worked with people not only you know has he worked with Jane Fonda but he's worked with you know Barbara Streisand, Susan York, Paul Newman, Melinda Dillon, Jessica Lange, Dustin Hoffman. I mean he's worked with some pretty heavy hitting people. Um, and you know, and, and if, if uh, you know the movies that I listed were not enough, he he also <laughs> you know did this little you know kind of mini series on hbo called angels in america Uh, (laughs) you know and he also you know worked on you know the the talented mr ripley you know or the firm i mean yeah you know just these little these these little tiny films director sure (laughs) he's these tiny little films um so it just amazes me that you know this movie is just as powerful as all those films and it's just become as forgotten as it was it wasn't like it was a a flop i mean when this movie came out i it was the 16th highest grossing movie in 1969 it made 12.6 million dollars after having a budget of 4.8 million um the critics absolutely loved it i mean even in 1996 entertainment weekly observed that it's one of the most important american movies ever made and, uh, you know, so did TV Guide. TV Guide said that this is, you know, required viewing, and apparently not a lot of people do that. So...
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just... Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm with it. Like I said, I don't disagree with you. I just... There there are going to be people out there who say, well, that's not a cult movie. Yeah, well, I, and I understand, yeah. But... You know, but it hasn't really been talked about. And I certainly, at 30, at 42 years old haven't heard about it, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm pretty well versed.
0: Like that says something, right? Yeah. Which is another reason why I chose it is because there's a lot of people out there who are probably not aware of this little hidden gem. Um, and the reason why I also saved it for this month is because this month is actually the month where it officially turns 50 years old. December 10th is the 50th birthday of they shoe horses, don't they? So it so we're literally covering this movie on the 50th anniversary of the film okay
1: I like that too that's great I don't like the way it's gonna make me feel <laughs> <laughs> you I don't you, like that you may want to have a
0: Disney movie on Disney plus queued up ready after this one <laughs> <'cause>, uh, <Jeez. laughs> you're gonna need I, I will let you know right now you're gonna need so, you're gonna need some happy uh, <laughs> this movie is over uh it's 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 a great movie but boy oh boy is it a heavy hitter
1: i don't know if we've done a movie like this yet i don't think we we have no
0: nothing that nothing yeah because not even picnic and hanging rock was this heavy uh so yeah we've not done anything on this type of a level of a film
1: yet okay i i listen i'm into it (laughs) i want to i want to check this out i'm in i'm deeply intrigued by the trailer um and you know i i'm as much a fan of being horribly depressed by film as anyone else so <laughs> yeah bring on the good stuff what i say well and i figured that this would be a nice you know um
0: i don't know if uh brain purging is the right word maybe maybe it'll like hemorrhage the brain to the point where it'll make us totally forget dr caligari I'm like, I don't know uh, if anything can do that, but I appreciate <laughs> the attempt. Um, but yeah, this 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 will be our film. Are you ready?
1: Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's fire it up.
0: <laughs> All it's
1: right, Christmas. But- <laughs> I'm excited. Let's just make this happen, yes, man.
0: This movie is a Hanukkah miracle. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> Alright folks, when we come back we will, I mean I already know the movie so I'm just dying to hear your response honestly. You
1: are, (laughs) just like you always are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when we come back you will hear our responses to the Academy Award winning They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Easy come people are the ultimate spectacle. And broken dreams carrying the grand prize of $1,500. silver And believe me, these wonderful kids deserve your cheers because each one of them is fighting down pain, exhaustion, weariness, struggling to keep going, battling to win.
1: And isn't that the American way? You no, bet it is. What I mean is, if you think about it, cattle ain't got it much worse than us.
0: If she ain't pregnant, I'm Nelson Eddy.
1: So what's healthier than having a kid?
0: Number 78 is in government. We're going to judge over there. One. What are you going to do? Put us in cages and let them throw peanuts at us? <laughs> the boy from 67 is down. He is definitely down. Look at us. We're all like this now. <laughs> Dirty. Swollen feet. No sleep. What a way to end 2019 on, on this show. Um, the the, the feel-good movie of the year.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. That's what it is. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, Holy shit. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> so, first of all, what, what was your response to the fact that we had um, a movie on here that had a high-caliber class um, an Academy Award-winning performance, and um, actual plot structure.
1: I don't know. Um, like, well, I was thinking this to myself while I was watching this at 8.30 in the morning, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> wow, thinking, what do you do? who needs coffee when you have this movie? Oh, my God. Um, who needs coffee when you have to dance and eat at the same time? Sometimes for two. Uh, what I was thinking, you know, not, I... It's nice that every 19 Dr. Caligaris, you get a Picnic at Hanging Rock. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is, you know, where we are. We had a Picnic at Hanging Rock, but we also had Riding the Bus with My Sister. Yeah. So, you know, this falls into the Picnic at Hanging Rock category, um, not the other's. Thank, thank God. I guess this is the yearly palate cleanser yeah, that I'm going to get. The, this is the palate cleanser. I made so bad. <laughs> even, though, even though that's not what the movie told me. It's sad when the subject matter of this movie for me was more positive than half of the movies that we watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, and apparently, uh, from what I did my research on, this is pretty realistic of just how incredibly awful these dance marathons were. Um, how they exploited the people who were so desperate for money, for entertainment
1: reasons, and and, really- it, and what you know the part that the part that was really interesting for me the money's one thing, right? That's pretty cut and dry. But it was the other, you know, it was the attention. You know, you had the you you, you had the Hollywood wannabe starlet that was doing it for attention Mm. you had, you know, to get to, to get recognized. Um, those were the ones that were really like, you know, that got under my skin, um, because you could remake this movie now yeah, (laughs) and it would be relevant (laughs) again.
0: Yeah. You had the, you had the Hollywood starlet who was hoping to be discovered. You had the pregnant woman who desperately needed the money for her baby Um, you had the, the ex-soldier who basically was shit upon by the government because that's what we do to our vets, um, who needed the money. They really went all in. They just kind of opened the barrel and just started chucking stuff into it for this one. (laughs) Yes. And and then, and you've got, you know, the guy who just accidentally stumbled upon the right place at the wrong time, (laughs) um, to, to become Jane Fonda's bitter ass partner. I, she's, well, she's she, it awesome like a, in this movie. Yeah. It's like at this point, Jane Fonda's character is like, well, this is all I can do in this life. Fuck Hollywood. I, 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 I can't get a, a part in Hollywood. I can't get a job. So, fine. I'll put
1: myself through torture. Well, and, and what was really interesting about that particular, um, that particular B, B storyline that they gave us with, with him the the right place wrong time the guy from where was he from Ch- Chica- was it chicago that he was from it was somewhere like that chicago uh, i remember
0: right yeah
1: was you know they did an entire romantic like metaphorical story arc with the two of them throughout the 1,000, whatever it was, 1,100 hours. I forget how long the the actual dance marathon was. But they went from just meeting to, you know, learning about each other to courtship to, you know, a a weird almost marriage to, you know, him, you know, him quote-unquote cheating on her and her quote-unquote cheating on him, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, and and then oddly enough, a divorce at the end.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, Well I mean even at one point I mean in a, in a in a desperation to get I guess what their equivalent of ratings were back then during there they even you know the guy who was running the uh, the the whole event encouraged them to get married on right. the dance floor yeah you know, while they
1: were dancing <laughs> while
0: they were dancing and so I mean it's just yeah the story all the story arcs they, they paid really good attention not only just to the main story, uh, in here between um uh, uh, be, be, uh between you know Jane Fonda and Michael Sarazin but everybody had these great story arcs i mean Suzanne York as the as the actress uh Bonnie Bedelia and Bruce Dern as the desperate uh soon to be husband i mean uh, mother and father um and, red button J- red button's Jane, tragic character
1: Jane, Jane Fonda's voice of reason in that situation was i mean the whole movie was heartbreaking but jane fonda's voice of reason and reason in that situation was even like you know further into it Mm -hmm. yeah it just wow just it was a great it was a really good movie yeah why don't you just cut it out i was like jesus (laughs) you know when
0: she said that i was like bitter party one bitter party one
1: Well, and then Bruce Dern, you know, yelling about, yelling at her while they're dancing about staying away from his wife because he wants to have the baby and she's just kind of along for the ride, um, as it was, you know, that, that whole, it was just every little vignette that they gave you was heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. you know? And
0: then, um, Gig Young as Rocky, the man who was the overseer of this whole thing, the MC, I you talk about a manipulative asshole who you know here here he's got the bag of 1500 dollars in silver dollars literally like the carrot dangling in front of the horse to get it to move and when we learn the truth toward the, I mean the, the 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 plot twist that happens which I'm not going to reveal because I want people to rediscover this movie when you learn the truth, you're like you fucking son of a bitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and and it leads up to uh, living up to the the title of the film basically. But yeah, when you find out what his actual plans are, it's a it's a sucker punch. It really is.
1: And then you know the other the other pieces of it where it you know he's going to manipulate people with any kind of talent. Yeah, any. To bring something to his show, okay, yeah, you can take a, a, a three or four minute break if you're willing to sing a song,
0: yeah, or to our audience, a, or
1: if you're willing to tap dance,
0: or act, or act, right. out, act out a scene, or and 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 I mean the whole, I mean the the whole thing with Alice. I mean, he was dangling so many carrots in front of her, not only giving her the opportunity to sing, but. By, uh, you know, talking about how there's Hollywood directors and, and actors who have come to watch the show, you know, giving her this act of desperation, uh, while at the same time um, taking everything away from her that would have possibly given her the
1: audition. Right. It's just, I, man, I, it, was, it was a great movie. It was a movie that everybody should see. Yeah. Everybody should see this movie. The acting is superb. Oh, the, uh, the, the
0: scene where Alice has her meltdown in the shower. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. That was haunting. That was re- – I forgot about that scene. And re-watching it last night and that scene happened, I was like, oh, God, I forgot about this scene. And it's just – it's so tragic. Your heart just goes out to her because it's at that point she realized that she was lied to. Right. And she just totally snaps.
1: Well, I, and they all they all have those scenes, those vignettes that are that are, you know, almost Oscar worthy in their in their performance. Like um, they get Sydney brings brings the best out of these people. Oh, yeah. And I, and I would love to see a documentary about how this was made and what they were actually put through, because mm-hmm. I imagine that to get some of those performances, they had to have been put through hell. Oh, yeah.
0: Because I, I know that the only acting nominations that this got at the Academy Awards um, and also the Golden Globes was Jane Fonda was nominated for Best Actress for this. Uh, Susan York was nominated for um, Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Red Buttons was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but it was Gig Young as uh, the asshole Rocky who won both the Oscar and the Golden Globe for his performance. Um, and it was interesting seeing him go from the showman up there going, yowza, 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 yeah. to behind the scenes saying, hey, I'll give you 10 extra minutes of rest if you come suck my dick. You right. know, I mean,
1: Jesus. I mean, he's just such a slime ball in this movie. He did a great job. Yeah. He did a great job. You You hated him almost to the point of sympathy. Yeah. You know, you, you hate it because he had those those he he did the, the, the brilliant few moments of humanity. Um, you know, it, it, it's obvious that, that he just like everyone else in the, in the Great Depression was put into a, a position that maybe he he was able to take advantage of, but didn't necessarily want to be doing. You know, I don't I, that that's sort of the feeling that I got. Like yeah, this is this is it. This is what it is. We're all desperate, so this is the way I make my money. Mm-hmm. Deal with it, you know. And but there was still those brief, those very brief glimpses of of a weird humanity that he was able to portray on screen that uh, it came close to making him sympathetic. I'm not saying he was a sympathetic character, but you thought he might get there, and he just never did. He never did. Yeah, like the scene when he does
0: confront um, Alice in the shower. You thought mm-hmm. that you know maybe this will be a turning point for him. But no, he's just there just to get her out of the shower and back on the stage. Yeah. Yep. Get back out there and do it. Um even like the even like the the little things in the film, you know, because Rocky at one point admits that the real reason why they're doing this is because, you know, since we're in such an, an age of depression, people want to see people that are in worse conditions that they are. And that's the spectacle Of this dance marathon. And I think that's portrayed perfectly in the role of Mrs. Layden. The one who is like the fangirl for uh, Jane Fonda and Michael Sarazin. Oh yeah. The old lady on the side who's just like, I know you're going to win. I I know you're going to do it. And you, you could tell that the furs that she's wearing has been tattered and worn. And that at one point she had money but she doesn't anymore. But she's experiencing Shanaan by watching this you know whole entire display just like everybody else in the audience Um, especially during the marathon run 10 minute marathon run scenes where everyone's literally killing themselves to stay in the competition and in in, 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 uh, spoiler alert in Red
1: Button's case
0: he does Uh, you know
1: right but they won't and that was like one of the things that, that they just you know very telling that that they refuse to acknowledge that he died. No, oh, he's fine. Everything's fine. He's just exhausted, but uh, you know, he let let us to it. keep going. Yeah, let's hear
0: it for this war hero. And he has seventeen pieces of shrapnel still in his body. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it for oh, him. Oh, I mean, just oh, yeah. just the fact that, that yeah, just, just the fact that he just like flippantly releases that out to the public he's like he's dancing here with 17 pieces of shrapnel and i'm like going so in other words it's tony stark situation here (laughs) right yeah just one little sudden shake and the shrapnel will hit his heart and kill him and spoiler alert that's what happens Uh, yeah (laughs) you know but I yeah I just you know when that scene happens you kind of get a a sense that something's not right with him during the audition process, but he's also showing some care when people who are coming up sick and he's saying no you're not allowed to because you're sick and blah 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 and you're like well maybe this man does care and then he goes and does what he does to red buttons and you're like no he don't care
1: (laughs) well I mean you get this uh, uh, so I want to go back and watch it again at some point to pick up on some things. Because thinking back over that audition process, he was, you know, the guys that the, the 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 men and women that he was kicking out, he was kicking out because they weren't going to give him a good show, not because they were sick. He could give a shit less. So, you know, if there was a guy that was legitimately sick and wasn't going to give him the show that he wanted for his audience, they got they got they got canned. They got they weren't allowed to come in. But like Red Button's character. Yeah, he was. 75 years old right they all knew he was 75 he wasn't lying to you know he was he wasn't pulling one over but they knew that that was going to make for you know i can work with that let's get him in here yeah pretend, so pretending, yeah even to be shitty, 30, yeah pretending even to be, shittier
0: yeah pretending to be 39 years old knowing better but they're like yeah we could work with this oh she's pregnant get her in here get her in here let's see if she has the baby on the floor
1: right or, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or better yet, a miscarriage. You know? Well, and, and what I was saying earlier, I still believe 100% was true. You know, you could remake this now. You could remake it with um, with YouTube personalities, Instagram bottles, and let's be real honest about this, podcasters. And mm-hmm. you can remake this movie right now with the same effect that it has. I believe that 100% to be true. As horrible as that might be to say, we're living in this very. It's amazing how translatable the story is to any period of time. Yeah, any period. You know, it doesn't matter whether it was the '60s, the '70s, the '80s. Everybody wanted. Everybody wants their shot. Everybody wants their fifteen minutes, and they're willing to do just about anything to get it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and and anyone is willing to do anything for money too. I mean, that's right. That's a message that still resonates today. I mean, look at some of these game shows that have come out. You know, where people are willing to do whatever it takes. Look at fear. fear I guess fear factor would probably be the closest that we got to recreating this because you have people who are willing to eat live spiders and and barbecued yak penises for ten thousand dollars. Don't knock a barbecued yak penis, dude.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, definitely. Did did uh did Jeff Probst take his blueprint from this to (laughs) make Survivor? (laughs) I mean, even Big
0: Brother. I mean, if you think about it, is very similar to this also, where everybody forces themselves to live in a a house twenty four seven with cameras Mm -hmm. all over them. You know, for for some money. So yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. It, that's the part that I
1: was that made me really uncomfortable. Was I know people that would do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I know people that would sign up to do this because this is their shot at getting the advertiser or their name out there, or more likes, or you know, whatever it is. If I can just get that another that that six that that six thousand more downloads per week, then I can get the advertisers, and then Squarespace will want me to you know show their website. On my, on my show or on, you know, whatever. You know, working in marketing for a little while really taught me some lessons. So it made me kind of uncomfortable to, to watch this thing in that way.
0: Well, when the, the, the scene where Rocky uh, suggests to Gloria that her and Robert get married and, you know, and Gloria's like, why the hell would we do that? And he's like, well, think of all of the free gifts that you would get from your supporters, like Mrs. Landon. Right. And she's like, well, what am I going to do with all the, you know, she's poor, She does, she's homeless, what am I going to do with all these? And he's like, sell them for money. Right. And it's like I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, God, this is like Instagram influencers. Right. Who, 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 Paging who, who, Logan Paul. Yes. <laughs> who will sell themselves just to get, you know, free makeup or something, you know, and or, or, or the Kardashians, you know, or anything like that. So, yeah, you're right when you're saying that this movie is still relevant today than it was when it first came out. I don't think out. it's never not
1: been. That's yeah. the thing. is I think it's just as relevant today as it was then, as it would have been 20 years before it. You know, I just think that this is part of the human condition. And I think it captured it perfectly for a period of time and an event, you know, that happened. Like a, a, a brutal... Way of demonstrating, mm-hmm. you know, gladiatorial combat, the, the, the best and worst of the human condition, which is what movies are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So good. Thank you for showing me this. I'll say that once every year. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> and, f- and for those who, who have never seen it, it is available on YouTube in its entirety and it is restored. Um, it is the, the Kino Lorber restoration copy. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, again, the reason why I picked this movie is because it's gotten, it's become a forgotten movie, and it does not deserve to be a forgotten movie. Uh, it is definitely one of the best movies that I think came out in the 1960s. Um, this month, it celebrates its 50th anniversary, um, and it definitely, especially with the times being as they are today needs to be rediscovered. And just all I have to say is just get emotionally ready for that sucker punch <laughs> of an ending. <laughs> uh,
1: did they? And they never – is this re- available on Blu-ray? Did it they is. ever release it like, you know, restored or 4K or anything like that or, yeah. or even Criterion? Because this is a movie that I could see going Criterion. It does. Yeah, Kino
0: Lober was the ones who released this one on Blu-ray. And, yeah, they, they gave it a 2K restoration – um, not that many special features for it. Um, I mainly bought it because I was happy it finally got released on Blu-ray. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it is available for purchase. And so, okay. so
1: if you enjoyed it, then yeah, it's out there to buy. Yeah. every. I mean, this is one of those movies that, you know, it, it shouldn't have been forgotten. Yeah, and I think the part of the reason that it is forgotten is exactly what we were just talking about. Because to watch this movie is to like look in the mirror of human society and be wildly. This isn't Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid. <laughs> this is this is a movie that you have to really be willing to look at yourself to watch at eight thirty in the morning two days before Christmas.
0: <laughs> Merry Christmas!
1: Oh my God. Uh, and, and, and the fact that that didn't have an effect on me tells me what this show's doing to me. The fact that I'm willing to sit down and be like, "Yeah, okay, let's watch this right now." I'm a shell. I'm a hollow shell of a man. Thank you, thank you for breaking me.
0: Now, here's one of the uh, the uh, one of the, the- I'm Robocop. <laughs> One of the big trivia bits about this movie was is that Jane Fonda originally was not going to be in the film. She declined because she was unimpressed by the script. Um, at, at the time, she was uh, married to uh, Roger Vadim, who directed her in Barbarella. And um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Roger Vadim wrote the screenplay and basically told Jane Fonda, "You're stupid to pass this film up." Uh, said this is probably going to be one of the most important films you've ever made in your career. You better make this damn movie. <laughs> and while Roger Vadim was an asshole to her, I, I read the I read the 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 uh, her autobiography, and he was an asshole of a husband to her. But I have to agree with him here. I think <laughs> Jane. Yeah. I think it would have been very tragic if Jane Fonda had not played Gloria because she was perfect for the role. She. Her, just how cynical and tired and beat down she was. Mm-hmm. Um, she conveyed all that perfectly in this film.
1: And then to be paired with the, the you know, the Sarazan, the fresh, the fresh faced farm boy. Yeah. That didn't, that was, you know, that, that just happened to be there and said, I got, I got a week and a half to kill. Mm-hmm. Why don't I just do this competition? Like, like to, to pair them together.
0: He was the, he, you know, he was the extreme optimist. And she was the right. extreme, extreme pessimist, so it was perfect pairing.
1: Yeah, they did a great job. They really did a, a fantastic job with with that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I I think that it's I think this movie is worth every every minute that I spent watching it, which is again, and not ironically, which is you know again something completely different than a, a feeling that I'm used to when it comes to this show. So. So make sure you make sure you jump on it and see it. Make, mm. That that's yeah. That, I'm 100 supportive of that.
0: Now now that you've seen the film, let me also let let me also let you know that another casting choice that almost happened in this film. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> close. Um, and playing Michael Saracen's character. Close. Um, originally, instead of Michael Saracen playing uh, the role of Robert, it was going to be given to Warren Beatty. No. No, I yeah. would not have
1: believed it for a second. No,
0: my, my, I mean, Michael Sarazen did an excellent job conveying that bushy eyed, optimistic, you know, not been tainted by life yet type of a character. And I, you know, he literally goes through hell and back through this whole competition. And, you know, just to, just, just to see the outcome of what happens with his character in this film, he's, 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 his character has changed for life and not for the best, mm-hmm. and it's just it's heartbreaking to see what happens to him in this film. Yep, I agree. So yeah, damn, I agree.
1: Just a damn good film altogether. Yeah, really good, really good. Probably the most straight shooter film that we've watched. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it has probably a the most a middle and end characters acting development. You know, the things that we don't usually get on this show. (laughs) And it's probably going to be a
0: while till we get that
1: again. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, buddy.
0: (laughs) So are you ready to hear our first film of 2020? I mean, why not? Sure. I'll let you know right now it's another all-star cast with a high-caliber director.
1: That doesn't give me any hope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why you're doing this. (laughs) Well, uh, it's directed by Otto Preminger. Oh, shit. All right. (laughs) I mean, Otto Preminger is a great director. He's directed a lot of great films in his life. And then he directed Skidoo.
1: He is a great director. Yeah. And then he directed this movie in the 60s. Doesn't give me any hope, but he's a great director. Let's just pull the
0: Band-Aid off, man. Well, I just revealed the title. The movie we're watching is... Oh, we're
1: watching Skidoo.
0: Skidoo. OK, Um, this Skidoo was a combination of not only a send up of um, spy gangster movies. Right. Uh, in 1968, but was also a commentary satire on hippie culture.
1: And I want to say I've seen
0: it, but I don't remember at all. So good. <laughs> the most notorious thing about Skidoo is, is that everybody at one point, because the, the film deals heavily with LSD. And everybody at some point in the making of this film, either on screen or off screen, experimented with LSD. Nice. Um, including Otto Preminger. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, you, I will tell you this. One of the cast members, who is Carol Channing. Okay. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> you can tell which scene it is that she's on the LSD. Um, I give you fair warning right now. There is a scene with Carol Channing in this movie where she's wearing see-through underwear. Sweet. So, Bucket list. So, so we get to see, um, her areolas. Let's just say that. Um, but here's the cast. And what's funny is this cast has a lot in common with 1960s Batman. Nice. Because here, here's the cast. Jackie Gleason. Okay. Carol Channing. Sure. Frankie Avalon. Okay. Fred Clark. Mike, All right. Michael Constantine. <laughs> okay. Frank Gorshin. Yeah. Okay. All right. Burgess Meredith. Okay. Cesar Romero.
1: Is this just an episode of, <laughs> if, you, if you see Vincent Price's Egghead, then all right. Oh no, it gets better. Oh God. Because Otto Permit wasn't Otto primager was, uh, was um, Mr. Freeze in yes. Batman.
0: Yes. Uh, John Philip Law. Okay. Peter Lawford. Peter Lawford. <laughs> <laughs> George, George Raft. Okay. Mickey Rooney.
1: Nope. Uh, okay. Damn it. And
0: Groucho Marx as God. Did
1: Kevin Smith make this?
0: Are you sure that he didn't go back in time? But here's the best one for last. Introducing Austin Pendleton. Oh, no. Who's Austin Pendleton? <laughs> he was the guy in the Muppet movie who was helping out... Uh, trying to capture Kermit for the French fried okay. frog legs. All right, oh. he's done a lot of other movies, but that's the ma- that's the first one that comes to the top of my head. Uh, he plays the brilliant scientist who manages to hide LSD in paper, and uh, wacky hilarity ensues. Let's
1: just do, say that. Um, do Mickey Rooney and Burgess Meredith have sex? <laughs> I'm not saying. Oh. Um, all
0: right. I, I will say there is a moment with Burgess Meredith in this movie that kills me every single time I see it. Um, <laughs> I figured we might as well start the new year off with a bang. I and, guess. And what bigger bang than um, this extreme... Oh, and um, if you're familiar with uh, with singer-songwriter Impressiero Nilsson... Yes. He wrote all the music for this movie.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Uh,
0: um, in, in, including Carol Channing's song, Skidoo, uh, that has such great lyrics like, Between the one and three, there is the two. And he left the house after this. Yes, he did. And went on okay. to write the music for Popeye, the movie. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy... <laughs> Broken clock is right three times a day. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there's some... I mean, there is... Before we even, you know, watch the movie and react to it, the backstories that I have for you on this thing are just going to blow you away. Um, It's amazing this movie even got made, to be honest with you. (laughs) It's extremely amazing that this movie got made with the cast that it has and, and just... The whole idea of this movie is just bonkers and nothing can prepare you for what you actually witness with Skidoo. So that's, in our, that's our first film of the year.
1: Let's do it. <laughs> Start it off. <laughs> feel like I'm running in a marathon that there's a <laughs> Red Buttons is next to me I'm trying to talk shit.
0: I'm surprised he's not in Skadoo. I mean, I'm like looking at this and I was like, what? No red buttons? I mean, everyone else is in this thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, So, again, uh, uh, well, this is our last episode of the year, actually. So, in our last episode of the decade, we made it. (laughs) We did it. So we, we'll see everyone in uh, 2020. It, it's going to be the Roaring Twenties again, so I'm expecting flappers and prohibition and breadlines and uh, <laughs> all sorts of other things to happen. Um, but, uh, again, you can find us on Facebook under Cult Cinema Catacombs. You can find us on Twitter under uh, These Films Exist. Uh, subscribe to us through Spotify. We're on Spotify now, so it'll be easier to Yeep. listen to the show. And we will see you all in 2020 with Skidoo. Go and go see cats. Called <laughs> from, from catacombs to use this holiday. Go see cats. <laughs> Believe me, there will be a future episode about cats. We have to. I think. Oh, oh yeah. I, I think we have to. I mean, the fact that Cats is now known as one of the biggest flops in cinema history already after one weekend opening <laughs> and <laughs> everything else surrounding this film eventually it's going to be an episode
1: it really is oh there'll be episodes everywhere <laughs> from everyone <laughs> we'll be in good company my friend oh yeah we'll be in good company
0: I, th- I think my favorite review that I read about Cats was where the critics said that um, up front she wants to admit that she was never a fan of Cats but after seeing this movie she now thinks she's no longer
1: a fan of movies <laughs> Well, I love the article I sent you where it just compares it to H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. I'm like, that's great. Yeah, yeah, all right. I can go into it you know with a different mindset now. It's cosmic horror. It's not based on the Broadway musical. It's a cosmic horror movie. Nick Cage is in it somewhere.
0: <laughs> and then I also love that this guy had his 58-year-old father review the movie, and the 58-year-old father liked it, and... What I loved is at one point in his review, he said, and then there's this cat, I think his name is Mr. Bojangles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> so We all know where we stand now.
0: <laughs> so I was like, so so Mr. Bojangles, and I, I can only think that he's referring to Idris Elba yes. when he says Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> Mr. (laughs) Bojangles. I mean, the reviews for Cats are the gifts that keep on giving. And what I love the most about Cats is the fact that three days into release, Universal forced movie theaters to download a fixed, no pun intended, fixed version of this movie. (laughs) By them saying, Yeah, we realized the special effects weren't completed and we need some nips and tucks here and there. So um, you need to show this version instead. And apparently it didn't help. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> special effects weren't necessarily the problem, guys. <laughs> so uh, uh, and what's funny is everyone is calling the um, untainted version of the movie the Judy Dench Diamond Ring Edition um because there's a scene where she is performing a song and her human hand is clearly visible with a giant ass diamond ring on it. Listen, the fact that the fact that
1: we have a tainted version of a cat's movie in 2020 is <laughs> god we we truly live in the best worst timeline.
0: No, the proof that we live in the best worst timeline is the fact that this movie, I mean, that cost over $100 million to make, then took an additional $300 million uh, for the advertising campaign, and then they had to spend, it's been rumored, anywhere between 50 to an additional $100 million to fix the movie. Um, has been released, and in opening weekend, domestically made $6 million, and worldwide made only $10 million. <laughs> um, where we have a film of this high-caliber flopping like this, and we're standing here now, and critics and people are non ironically discussing Oscar potential for Shia LaBeouf. Yep. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know, and yep. Adam Sandler. You yeah. Know, you know, that says a lot about where we're at right now
1: <laughs> in this world. When Judy Dench isn't mentioned in the same sentence as Oscar, Adam Sandler, and Shia LaBeouf. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Ian McKellen is not mentioned
1: in the same sentence or Idris Elba for that matter yeah. I mean this has got a cra- I mean Kaz has a crazy cast like it's so much money and so much talent and and this is what we get <laughs> from the movie <laughs> it's the E.T. game of movies <laughs>
0: It really is.
1: Holy shit!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is a great just quote.
1: Slow down, slow down, people. Just, just, it's just Ferris Bueller a little bit. Just take a little bit of time. Just life goes fast. <laughs> All right. James Corden digs through a trash can as a giant CG cat. <laughs> And he'll never I goddamn hope he loses his show. Life goes fast, people. If you don't slow down to enjoy it, you miss cat's reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm leaving. I'm slaving <laughs> the <my life> cats. <laughs> Alright,
0: guys. We will see you in the year 2020 with Carol Channing showing us her tits. <laughs> <laughs> the musical, <laughs> the musical, yes. And, oh, and, and she's not only showing us her tits; she's showing them to Frankie Avalon, if that says anything. So,
1: I did, I did Frankie Avalon for three nights and two matinees <laughs> when I was in high school. So I feel <laughs> like I can, I can really get into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, gang. Okay, talk to you all later. Bye.